Glory and power, man. Church, what an amazing morning it's been already, right? Praise God. Uh, We praise God for Sundays like this because it's just a reminder for us that God is still working, right? God is still working, and not only is he working, but he's choosing to work in this church, his church, through you, and then we wanna celebrate that left and right all the time when we can. Um, Jacob mentioned something about the dolphins, and um, I walked up to him this morning, I just gotta share this, I walked up and said, I said, hey, one of us are in the Super Bowl, one of us are not. And uh, it's been 39 years since the Dolphins have been in the Super Bowl. So if I say it right now, you can, it's recorded, so you can call me a prophet if it happens. Next year, we're winning the Super Bowl. Just throwing it out there, all right? Anything is possible. Thank you, Helen. <laughs> oh, my word. Well, gang, we're jumping in back into this series called Scent. It's a series that we've been digging through together as a church. And it's been my hope and prayer as we walk through this together. It's not only equipping you. But it's challenging you as a church to be a part of God's plan to reach people, those around you in life, with the greatest message ever given to mankind, and that's simply that Jesus saves. And that we become convinced as a church that our lives are not just about ourselves, but our lives is also about loving our neighbors as ourselves. And one of the greatest ways we can love our neighbors is to tell them about Jesus, And we understand that we are his witnesses, that our lives are a testimony to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives. So we can turn around and go share this message and make disciples just as Jesus called his church to do, that we share the message of hope. You know, Paul makes this pretty clear in the book of Romans. He's writing to the church of Rome when he says this in chapter 10, verse 17. You can see it on the screen. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. People are coming to faith. People come to faith in Jesus by you and I sharing the message of Jesus. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been working on this together as a church. Even in the last two weeks, we've been building the message that we can share. That two weeks ago, we walked this idea of knowing his story, Jesus' story, that we can share the gospel, the G-O-S-P-E-L, that God created us to be with him, that our sin separated from him. S, uh, sin can't be worked for, it must be paid for. P, Jesus' death and resurrection was the payment for, that, for our sin. And E, everyone who accepts and lays down their life and make him the Lord of life receives L, eternal life. We walked through that two weeks ago, understanding and clearly articulate and sharing the gospel with other people about Jesus. And then last week, we talked about our lives. We turned around and looked in the mirror so we can know our story, our testimony, that our power of our testimony, our story to other people can make the gospel relevant. They make it true for them to see, okay, he does change everything. Then we walk this idea that we have a before Jesus, and then we have a why Jesus, and then after Jesus. And the after Jesus looks so much different than the before Jesus because Jesus continues to work in our lives. And it's my hope as we walk through this, it's just to simply give us the tools Give us the tools as a church to know how to share the faith, our faith with other people. Simply because, according to Jesus, we have been sent. But as I look through this, 
It's not just enough to speak the gospel. You and I as a church, we must be living the gospel. We must be able to show them that following Jesus truly changes everything. How he's changed us personally. And now how he's brought us and invited us to be part of this amazing community called the church. That's unparalleled, unmatched by anything that we've ever been a part of before. Because the community of the church is full of love. It's full of mercy, it's full of grace, it's full of forgiveness and encouragement because that is the church. You know, uh, St. Francis of Assisi was accredited as saying this, quote, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Now, I don't know if he actually said that, And I don't believe this statement fully encompasses everything, the whole truth. But I believe it's a great place for us as a church to start this morning. That the gospel, man, it's more than words. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to start digging a little bit deeper into understanding what the church truly is. And that inviting people to follow Jesus just doesn't give them a new life, an eternal life. But also it's inviting them to a new type of community. A community they've never experienced before in life. Something that's absolutely different. A community that has Jesus Christ as its cornerstone. A community that reflects the gospel. That it's more than just words. So if you have your Bibles, open up if you would to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Bible, Bible apps, whatever you read God's word on. I hope you have something to do that. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen. Acts 2, starting at uh, verse 42 this morning. We're stepping actually back into the beginning of the church. We kind of, last week we went to Acts 26, moved away from it. This morning we're coming back. And Peter and his other disciples were just stood up and they shared the testimony about who Jesus is, what he did, and how God declared this to happen so long ago, centuries before, and has just taken place. The church, the one that Jesus says, says later on that the gates of hell will never overcome it, was absolutely put in place. And as Peter was sitting there with his other disciples and shared the gospel, over 3,000 people uh, gave their life to Jesus Christ. They accepted the message, meaning they came to the understanding of who they needed Jesus, and they surrendered life to Jesus, and every single one of them were baptized at that time. Could you imagine if we were doing that this morning? (laughs) Oh, my. The church that started off with 12 went to 120, now is over 3,000 followers of Christ. And this is where you and I will slow down and we're gonna step into the scripture and see what is taking place in this new, exploding, amazing community. Follow along on the screen, verse 42. It says, they, the followers of Jesus, devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. Let's just stop right there. As I look at this idea of this, of this new community, this understanding, is this, understanding this idea that the gospel speaks is just more than words, we as a church need to understand this idea is that the church needs to be an attractive community. As I read those verses, I see that the church needs to be an attractive community. 
Now, attractive is not a word that we ever thought or would want to think to use when it comes to the church. But when you think about the word attractive, I think it fits better than we, than we think. Attractive means pleasing to the eye, that it's luring someone in, it's engaging, engaging someone's interest. Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? Is it supposed to be pleasing to the eye? Like, okay, I see it, it's, it's pulling me in, it has my interest. Isn't that what the, what the people should see in our lives? That those who are far from God look into our lives and there's something different about us that's luring them in and drawing them in? That when they show up here on a Sunday morning or they show up in our small groups or step into student ministry, there's something different about it? Something catches their eye, draws their attention? That what we do that who we are is attracted them to come and want to be a part of it? I mean, isn't that just the idea of the church to be different? Because as I read the scripture about the church, the Christian community is to be different. The church is supposed to be set apart. We have been called to be holy. God's people are called to be holy. And holy simply means to be set apart, to be different. And what sometimes we see is we witness too many churches and too many people that don't want to be different. They act like the culture. They bring the culture into the church and they act like that thinking that's how they're going to get people in it. And God says, no, 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 no. It's not that way. You're called to be something absolutely different. Then we say we're followers of Jesus. We're living something different in front of the people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. So when people come into this church, they know exactly what we stand for because the gospel is more than words. So what does this look like? How do you and I as a church, how do we live out this, this attractive community? Look, at, look back at verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and prayer. Let's stop there. I just see this as kind of like our corporate worship. That you, me, all of us gathering together for worship on Sunday mornings. We make this time together as a priority in life. That means when we're scheduling our weeks, we're planning to be here together on a Sunday morning. We're planning to be here and to worship our God. It's part of what we do, not vice versa. And we're, if we're telling people that the gathering together as a church on Sunday mornings to worship and to learn and to pray is an important part of our lives and our walk with Jesus Christ. And we're continuing to make decisions or find reasons not to be here or not to come. What are we really telling them? What are we really telling them of those people or our neighbors who are far from God and they see us home on a Sunday morning? What are we, parents, what are we telling our kids? when we choose not to come and be a part of what God has called us to be a part of right here on Sunday mornings. You know what we're telling them? We're telling them it's not so attractive. It's not so attractive to come and hang out and be a part of what God's doing in his church. It's more attractive to go golfing on a Sunday morning or sleep in or as I did growing up as a kid, watching Abbott and Costello on Sunday mornings with my father. That's more attractive because it's funny. 
Oh, I hit a nerve sometimes, don't I? We're called to be here as a church. We come together and we, we worship our God. We are a church that want to promote attractive community, that those who, who are not here want to be here because you, me, we are telling people that what takes place here on Sunday mornings, like we just absolutely witnessed with these baptisms, is absolutely awesome. A place where God meets, meets us and we experience true worship with him, for him, to him. It just kind of makes me think back in the book of Genesis in chapter 28 when Jacob was on his way to Bethel and he stops for the night and he lay down and says he rests his head on a rock. They didn't have pillows back there. and um, He had a vision while he was sleeping. A vision of a staircase going from the ground up into heaven and he saw the angels going back and forth, back and forth. And then, then the Lord spoke to him. And he, when he woke up, he says this in 28, verse 16. He says, surely the Lord is in this place. And he goes on and says, and I was not aware of it. He was at a place where there must be the presence of God and he had no clue. That can't be us. That can't be the church that when we invite people in, our guests join us on a Sunday morning, they're not walking around and thinking, man, I thought, I thought God was gonna be in this place. I, I guess I missed him. I thought this church was gonna be different, but I guess it's not. It can't be us. And I don't think that's us. We need to be attractive. We need to be different. And so I think what Jacob says next is bleed down in my heart what God desires for us and what I believe to for his church to be. And I believe it's truly us. Look at verse 17. He goes, how awesome is this place? How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How awesome is this place? This is the house of God. That's what people should experience when they walk in here. Why? Because the church is something different. We're an attractive community. Authentic lives that follow Christ. Listen, I'm not sure how this fits into my theology, but I'm going to say it anyways. I believe that God shows up in amazing ways on Sunday mornings when his name is being praised and his word is being proclaimed. Amen. I believe that God shows up in amazing ways. That, that is our worship. That is our praise. And when this has happened here on Sunday mornings, when people come in, they'll be attracted to what is taking place because, again, it's real, it's authentic, it's God glorifying. Yeah. And maybe really, really clear, it's not because we are awesome. <laughs> but it's because God is awesome. Yeah. This is his place. This is his house. How awesome is this place? And that simply means for us as a church, everything that we do, we continue to work hard to get better. That we create the best environments to remove as many barriers as we can for people to come through our doors and feel the love of Jesus Christ. 
They feel comfortable stepping in and being a part of and experiencing true worship. That we love people from the street to their seats. That make they come in, they feel important, they feel wanted, they feel like they belong. You know, church, some of the greatest compliments I've received about our church is you. How you love people through these doors. It's genuine. This morning, Bobby Jo Allen was baptized, and I had the, Stephanie and I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking to her this past week and talking about what it took, what it was, why did she follow Jesus, what it looked like after Jesus, would like to hear her story. And let me just tell you how this kind of unfolded. She has a friend named Danielle. And Danny invited her to come to be a part of church. By the way, that's why I keep on giving those invites. You never know what God's going to do when you invite someone to church. Well, she came to church last November, and she was a part of here, and she walked in. And she said, I didn't feel judged. I felt loved. She walked in. I said, I felt wanted. I felt like I was home. She, she started crying. She said, I feel like I had a family. And that week she was in her car driving and she prayed. I mean, hopefully she stopped. <laughs> she prayed and she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. All part of the process. We invite. They come into this I'm part of this community. They have no idea what they're getting into. But God changes everything in their life. That's just one story. I'm sure I could sit down with every single one of you and find out more. We need to be an attractive community. Continue to get better in what we do to reach more people with the message of Jesus Christ. You know, I think about the worship team and how they pray hard and work hard throughout the week preparing for this service on Sunday morning. Why? So it gives us every opportunity to walk through these doors and set the world aside for a moment, for an hour, and just sing our praise to God and pour our heart out in song. I think about our Sunday morning conversations, that I'm walking through thinking what God wants to say, that I'm praying through every conversation, asking God to speak through me, that it's his words, not mine that I'm always remembering that I'm sitting right next to you, that I'm also a student of the word, that I am learning right along with you how to, to live this life with Jesus Christ, that it's real, that it's authentic, and it's relevant for our lives. That when I say something that doesn't make sense, I'm like you thinking, that doesn't make sense. Rich has had too much coffee again this morning. And I think about our kids' ministry, Lori and her team, crafting Sunday mornings for the kids to be in such a way to hear the word of truth, to track them in, to bring them in, so they come to the point the parents are being dragged to church by their kids. Amen. Because the gospel is more than words. Because the kids want to be here. And they're learning God in a way that they can grasp for themselves. And that's the same with Ignite on Wednesday nights. That's all because God desires his church to be attractive to those who are around it, who are not a part of it 
yet. And as people, the people will come through the doors as we invite them. And they'll say, how awesome is this place? This is the house of God. It doesn't stop here, though. This attractive community also rolls out in our homes. It's not just here in the building on Sunday morning. Think about our small groups. Look back at verse 46. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor for all the people. Let's stop there again. They didn't just gather on Sunday mornings. They gathered in their homes. They built relationships with one another. They built friendships. They had meals together. They enjoyed their time together. Praise God together. And by the way, that's our small group ministry. If you're not in a small group, you are missing out. And if you've ever experienced this, if you've never experienced this, and you step into a world where people are loving on, rejoicing with, and carrying through life together, I guarantee it's going to catch your interest You'd be like, oh my word, I had no idea this kind of a community existed. Now I get it. People might show up at our small groups and think, well, this is kind of a cult. <laughs> if you showed up at our small group last week, you might be thinking that. We had what I called a super group as we had two small groups joined together for one Micro church, I don't know. And it was just crazy. I couldn't keep everybody in line. They're out of control. <laughs> but when they step in, they'll see that it's real. That we're real people with real lives. We have hurts and hangups. We have problems. We rejoice. We celebrate. That's attractive. Because the Christian, the Jesus follower, we don't have it all together. And it's okay to share that we don't have it all together. And it'll attract them. And it'll interest them. And the whole time, friends, we are learning. The whole time, through Sunday morning, through our small groups throughout the week, we are learning more about God, more about Jesus, and how much he loves us, and how he's called us to live. It says they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, meaning they were not just a social club. But in everything that we do, everything that we say, we grow and has its work, as roots in the word of truth. We're devoted to teaching the truth. That our mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And I said this series is focusing on the more by you and I becoming better disciples. But this understanding, we are not just making more, but we want to become better disciples. Yes, we are reaching people with the message of hope, reaching people for Jesus Christ. But we're also helping those people take their next steps with him. Either to him or with him. I don't care if you're 5 or 85, every single one of us has a next step with Jesus Christ. The church is to be an attractive community. And secondly, we speak the gospel through unexplainable generosity. Unexplainable generosity. Look at verse 44 again. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give, them, give to anyone who had a need. What an image for us to model. That there was such great unity among them. But when it went, it went much further than that. 
There, there were people willing to meet the needs of others, to step out of their own world and step in the world of someone else and help them out. It wasn't socialism. It's Christianity at its finest. This is a phrase we can remember. See a need, meet a need. They saw a need and they met a need. That's exactly what was happening. And it was a time of extreme poverty for them. Because the Christian church in the first century, they were outcasts. So they took care of one another. Why? Because they were church. And that's the same for us. Yes, the culture's different. Yes, the society is different. And I'm not talking about us selling everything that we have and moving to a compound and living off the land together, right? I'm not talking about that. Where we're, we're, living, we're growing our own food and we're making our own clothes and we're surrounding ourselves with a chain link fence. That's a cult, okay? So, all right, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you and I seeing a need, meeting a need, and taking care of one another. Listen, I know as individuals we can't meet the need of everyone. But we can do for one what we wish we could do for everyone, can't we? We can do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And in my short time here at Vertical, I have seen this lived out through you. You are a loving and generous church. Meals are being provided all over the place for multiple families because of sickness and hardship. I've seen gift cards being given. You name it. How someone can be generous. I have seen it in this church through you. That's part of what God has called us to be. An attractive community. An unexplainable generosity. And it's not just generosity with money, friends. It's deal with our time and our abilities that God has given us. They're directly tied to this idea. Housing projects. Helping people move. And by the way, the Clarks were radically blessed two weeks ago when we moved into our new home. They, people showed up. I didn't know what to do. I would just stand there watching them load up a storage unit in our apartment and had us to our new home and unloaded in less than two hours. I think I left two boxes. Crazy. That's what I'm talking about. Us being the church. We just simply adopt these two statements for our lives. See a need, meet a need. Do for one what we wish could do for everyone. Radical generosity, unexplainable generosity become a part of our lives. And people will see that around us. They'll see something different in the church. I think it was just the other day, some ladies are driving around, giving flowers out to the shut-ins. That's love. That's care. The world needs to see that there's something different. The world needs to see that we are different. And the last way is this, bold proclamation. Bold proclamation. It, we're not, it's more than words. We also have to use words, okay? Look at this in verse 46. It goes back. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together and glad and see your hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all people. Now let me just finish this verse so you can see it. And the Lord added to the number daily of those who were being saved. They weren't just coming together and being attractive. They weren't coming together just being generous. The word of God was being shared. The gospel was being shared. The different community of this church, unmatched by anything that anybody had seen before. And God was adding to their number daily. That means that those who were in the church were going outside the church and sharing the message of hope. And those who were coming in with a visit went out and shared with their friends. You said, you just need to come and hear what's going on. They went to the neighbors, invited them to come in. They went to their co-workers, invited them to come in. To hear and see what God was doing. I was adding to their number. That the church wasn't consumed by the holy huddles on Sunday mornings. They loved what God was doing amongst them. And they're going out and sharing that message of hope. And I think the beginning of three, chapter three reveals this. It starts off with Peter and John going up to the temple in Jerusalem at a time of prayer. And on their way, they're walking up. A crippled man was out front of the temple courts. He was outside of the courts begging for money. And he was put, he was put there every day so he could receive money. But Peter and John were walking by. And they asked, he asked them for money. And Peter's response was spot on. Look at this. Chapter 3, verse 4. He says, he looked straight at him. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the hand, he helped him up. Instantly the man's feet ankles were, became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went to them praising the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be sitting begging at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement what had happened to him. They just stopped there. Peter gets up and says to them all after this point, don't look at us. Continue to read this later on. He says, don't look at this. This man is healed only through Jesus, not us. And then again, he goes on to proclaim the gospel in the temple courts. This is huge. First, the beggar thought all he needed was money in life to be okay. And Peter and John would point blank with this guy and said, no, no, no. What I have for you is greater than money. What I have for you is Jesus. Hey, you want a quarter or do you want eternal life? What works for you? And then he turned around and in front of all the people who rejected this new faith, this Christianity, and he boldly proclaimed Christ. That alone was an invitation for someone to take him out, by the way. The gospel. It's more than words. It includes words, but it's so much more. We can't forget of that. It's a part of us as a church 
you and I, that we have been sent. That we're an attractive community. That people see something different in us than what they're getting from the world. That people see something different here in Sunday morning, different than when they get at work on Monday morning. That we live this rich generosity out, loving on the people in front of us. And then boldly proclaiming, no no matter what the opposition is, and no matter where we're at, that we are courageous and say, Jesus saves. That's who we are. That's who we need to be. Because that is the church. Now, it's my heart and it's my prayer that continue to build on everything that God has been doing here already to reach the most possible people with the greatest message ever given. And as we walk through this series, I'm simply asking you as a church, will you come with me? Will you come with me, walk with me as we talk to this community about Christ, as we talk to this county about Christ, as we live this radically different life, can we walk together? I don't know. I believe in a big, mighty, powerful God. And I I think that the 3,000 that Peter experienced can still happen today. We just need to live it out. Will you pray on it this week? Who will you share it with? Who will you walk with? Who will you invite? They can be part of what God's doing here. And who will you invite to know Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you mostly for Jesus Christ. How he poured out his love on that cross and conquered death so we could have life. Lord, sometimes it's not easy. It's not easy living that attractive life because we are we're a work in progress ourselves. And you know that. But I pray for us as individuals, I pray for us as a church then we'll continue to to become more like you and less like the world. That what you are doing here, Lord, will continue. And that we will not be satisfied and we'll go and reach more people and tell more people about your wondrous love. Because we have been sent. We have a mission. And we want to live it. Right now, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And after service, if there is something in your life and you you just need to talk to someone, be prayed over and prayed with, I, I encourage you to come forward. Maybe you're in this room right here, right now, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ.
You've been coming because there's something different here. You've been coming because you're searching for Jesus. And maybe this morning, watching baptism, hearing about the message of hope is a day that you want to change everything. I invite you to come up after service. Our prayer team wants to pray with you, walk with you, as you cross hold a threshold of faith from death to life. I know it's scary. Maybe even think that we're kind of cultish with all the celebration. But the church can't hold back when they see God work. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for making it all possible. We give it to you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Love your church. Have a blessed week. We'll see you soon.